Last week we were looking at the Lord's Prayer, if you were here, and we started with uh, this little graphic up here and it starts out with our father at the top and here's a fascinating thing the devil even gets a mention in the lord's prayer i find that really fascinating don't you that that uh, god saw fit to describe in this little short prayer the nature of reality the greater reality that we live in and the greater reality is that god is actually a heavenly father you might not feel that you might not have encountered that in your life but this is a reality that God does want you to encounter that there there is a reality of God's heavenly fatherliness that's not a gender issue let's take gender right out of the out of the picture here it's about who God can be in your life and the alternative is there's a destructive force at work in the world we call that evil as we talked about last week and it's very very real it rips families apart in the last couple of weeks i've just had had prayer with people where where you would say that it's actually evil at work that word evil up there poneros is a word that describes destructiveness and so when something becomes destructive in your life in a circumstance in a family in a business and it destroys people that's what we call evil now sometimes that evil uh, is actually a real spirit it is actually a demon spirit other times it's just the circumstance can be evil there are such things called evil laws now it's not a, it's not a demon but it's a law that's been enacted that that brings destruction upon people's lives to the favor of someone else you know history's full of that and uh, it's important that we make sure we route those things those kind of evils out of our life but it's important here to focus on the lord's prayer because it does describe two realities and what's sandwiched right in the middle of of these two realities of of god's fatherliness and then of destructive forces is is an important order for us and that is that god's kingdom is what we stand for god's kingdom is what we're to pray to come you know the bible doesn't say you should be praying against this or praying against that it just doesn't say that what it does say is that you pray for we are for life right you don't pray against you know there might be a thing called a spirit of death could be entrenched in a law right in this state you know that might be housed on us soon that that is just uh a thing that could come and bring destruction but the bible says we are to be for something right we are to be for life and so the bible says pray for what you want god to do his kingdom to come really important principle and the next one there is to deal with our our daily situation our everyday life god wants you to bring your everyday life to him and to see him work and the other one there is to deal with our frailties and the bible calls them sins and the frailties of others whom we are to be generous against the frailties of others is that right you know some i've i've had a situation in our complex where i live where i've been greatly tempted to to um, take up uh, what you'd say the rights of an owner in the complex right but i've had to remember you know what there's there's, there's people have frailties other people have frailties and be and and be kind and generous to other people's frailties rather than p- picking up your own rights it's a really important thing and that's that that third section there in in the lord's prayer and then at the end you deal with the devil and it, and we need to be aggressive in this it's really important not not to stand idle 
uh, about the nature of evil as it works in your life or other people's lives. And we are to be on, on the alert, the Bible says. That's a prayer of being alert and keep us from the evil one. In other words, be alert. Evil is a very real thing. And when you bump up against it, you have to follow this order up here. And that order is start with your heavenly father. Because evil wants to get your attention. Is that right? You wake up in the middle of light, like I said last week, and you can't sleep because that thing is still buzzing around in either your emotions or your head. You see, it gets your attention. And you to actively, purposefully and intentionally go to the top of the list. And you're to worship your heavenly father. And that, my friends, is spiritual warfare. The fact, in the face of evil, you drop to your knees or however you pray and you focus on your heavenly father, my friends, that is a powerful weapon of spiritual warfare. Because evil wants you to be focused on it. But when you do the exact opposite of that, and you look to your heavenly father, even though your brain's fuzzed from whatever the situation is, and, and you just turn to him, and you, in the simplicity of a child, you worship God. The last two weeks, I might have said this, there's been folks I've been praying with, and friends, I would dread to be in their shoes with the level of destruction that's in their family life. And I go, this is demonic. This is really, really bizarre stuff, right? But that person has said this, I've encountered God like never before in the midst of that. And it's been a time of learning how to walk with Heavenly Father in a deeper way. So friends, I urge you to do this and, and don't let your focus be taken a hold of by destructive things. As we've said, poneros, that Greek word that covers a whole range of evil, evil issues. Now, do we have a roving microphone? Can we grab a roving microphone? You are the assembly of the saints. This meeting is about you and how God works among you. Can we please have some testimonies? The smallest thing is worth celebrating, friends. And if you've got something... In, in your circumstance, life, family, whatever, that you want to just give testimony to, if it's related to prayer, that would be great. Could you just uh, grab this microphone off? off uh, no, you're going to hold the microphone. He won't pass it to you. It's our COVID safe deal. Yeah, and um, <laughs> can we go ahead right now? This is your meeting, friends. Uh, who's got something that, that, that they would like to contribute here? Karen Hills, this is good. Um, just through this interesting COVID time, I've had an interesting experience. I've lived in a neighbourhood for many years where we didn't know each other. It's a multicultural neighbourhood and people just didn't know each other. But we've all come to know each other through the COVID thing and we've met through our dogs. So there's become a whole community of people that have met through our dogs through our dogs, actually. <laughs> so we all know the dogs' names. We don't really know the people's names so well. One of the people that I meet regularly, almost every day on my walk, is someone who uh, lost his wife about three years ago. And he started asking me lots of questions about what happens when you die. 
So a long journey and a lot, lot of conversations and a lot of talks later about what does happen when you die this week. You made a commitment to, uh, on Thanks our God walk with our dogs. <laughs> awesome. Dog evangelism, I'll put that one on my list. Uh, it's great. Love it. Love it. Yep. So 18 years ago, nearly died, but uh, God brought me back to life and I... Uh, had a long time dream of returning to that hospital as a chaplain. Finally came true, then COVID hit. And then I was, yeah, on pause for seven months. Finally got the email on Monday. Um, can you come back next Wednesday? Like, hooray. It's good. How's that? You nearly perished in the, in the hospital and now you're going back as a chaplain. That is so good. God's been good in your life, Abel. We celebrate that. Great. Um, yeah. This is uh, mainly because what Roger said this morning is so true, and I felt that this is uh, God wants me to say this on behalf of my son, Nathan, but not to embarrass him, him but please just more for prayer and also to testify. You were mentioning even just now about you know, thoughts that come in, you're confronted, you can't sleep, and this is exactly what he just felt last night. In fact, for 48 hours, Nathan hasn't been sleeping. And he's going through a, a, a rough time of uh, trying to the study and, and exam is coming through and the brain is so active and he could not switch off. He's fighting. There is a spiritual warfare that Roger has been speaking of. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's also a time where, you know, it's a God moment opportunity. You choose between life or give in to the enemy that is trying to hit you with uh, all kind of things, even as a student, for the young people even. And so this last night, he could not sleep for the second night. And, and, and so he came to my room this morning at 4, 4 a.m., 4 plus, and said, I still could not fight it. I've gone through my worship. I've gone through the, <laughs> the, the devotion. I've, he's, spoken, he's been speaking to God already, even throughout the night, and still could not sleep, very frustrated. So I said, you know, have you read the Bible? Okay, he said, I'm too tired to read the Bible. I'm just too tired. He's read devotion, he read some scripture, but he's physically too tired. So I said, I, I, I could sense that the enemy just want him to just give up on that part. And you said, do the opposite. So I said, I woke up in the night this morning, rather, or switch on the light and say, let's read the Bible. Read the Bible. If the devil doesn't want you to read the Bible, you might as well just spend the night not looking into the zoom, into the air, but we move our attention to God's word. So we read the Bible, but then we worship first. We go into, uh, uh, he said, read what? We so thick, we, we don't know what where to read. So I said, begin with worship. How about pray in tongues? So he activated, he's been questioning uh, is, do God really speak through that kind of moment? We have Roger preaching on speaking, praying in tongues before, and we say we just activate that. So he, we worship God, that's the, to help him focus. And, and then he, I say, then ask God. Be still, ask God, what to read? You know, where? And he said, so he's uh, spent a moment of quiet, and he said, I saw Ephesians uh, 2. Ephesians 2. Well, then let's read Ephesians 2. And it was awesome because when we read Ephesians 2, the Bible that I'm using has got a, a, a commentary and, and, and a commentary that will describe what you read. Ephesians 2 was exactly as uh, what we went through because we've been speaking a lot and I tell you it was like 
your hair stands up and he will say, wow, God, he was talking about rest, he was talking about how to, it was all the answer to his questions, basically. And even Nathan was saying, wow, God, this is real, this is real. And you don't know it until you have to go through it and encounter Jesus face to say, face to say that he is real. He's everywhere. He is your question that you think, God, are you answering me? He's actually there. He, he needs you to go to him. And sometimes he speaks in different ways, but basically he still needs you to, in this case, read the Bible and build up the inner man. Thank so you. I thank you for this morning. Thank you. That's great. Good. Friends, this is life. This is how it's done, right? And we need to, we need to hear from each other. This is good. One more over the, This is Kel. Thank you, Kel. Um, <clears throat> just an experience of learning that God is my Father. And I always knew that theologically, you know, but um happened a couple of years ago at work. We had our biggest client, um, quite a, a big contract for us. And um, we did a job and another guy that worked under us as a subcontractor actually went to see the client, wormed his way in, told lies about us and got the next job, which was a big job for us. We're only a small company. Um, man, did I want to fight and go and see and oh, so much. And my business partner is a Christian and we both obviously get thrown, thrown to prayer. <laughs> and it just kept coming to us don't fight, don't fight, leave it to me, I've got this. And so everything against, everything in us, we had to subdue and say, Lord, you do this. And this whole business of recognising God as our Father, I started to ask, what's the role of a Father? A Father is someone who provides. A Father, a good Father, is someone who loves you and knows what's going on. And steps in and defends you. I found all of that to be true. It turned around. We were exonerated. He got the one job and he was flicked. Um, but at the end of the day, I got the experience. God says, don't call anyone else father. He is jealous yeah. over us. And I learned that. And I learned that he gives me my daily bread. I've been in business 40 years and it's easy to come to think, oh, well, I got the contract or I did this or I did that, right? But to see God as the provider of my daily bread, to recognise that I had to forgive that guy um, mm. because God has forgiven me. And a situation came up where he asked a question that we could have just said, get stuffed. <laughs> and everything in me wanted to say that, right? But we didn't. Um, so, yeah, it was God's prayer for us, our Father, your kingdom come to this. You provide my daily bread. You forgive me my sin and allow me to forgive others. Yeah. So. Mm, good. Good. This is, this is good teaching, right? I tell you, this is wonderful just hearing how... How God works in the the daily issues of life. There's 
many theological issues I would really like to teach about and preach about, but this topic of prayer is possibly one of the most important theological issues you can explore because the infinite, perfect beauty and majesty of, of God has chosen to allow you to have dialogue with him through his Holy Spirit. Isn't that a mystery and a wonder? And that he wants you to reveal his kingdom to come, as we've heard this morning. We have a manager of our estate where I live, and uh, he has got some really difficult and nasty situations. There's 77 units in our complex where I live. And um, he was around home yesterday. We've given him total freedom to walk in any time, and he does. It's good. It's fun. I love it. And so he chose to come around yesterday because he knows we will listen to him without reproach, without judgment upon his role as manager. I wouldn't want to be a manager over some people that are, you know, really got the knives out. So uh, his name's Leo. He's a Chinese guy. And uh, I've, I've been sharing with Leo for many, many months. And uh, he came around yesterday with a very complex and difficult situation and told us about that. And I said, Leo, you know who we are. I said, we will take this to our Heavenly Father. Because it's a kind of strange idea. But he, he's heard of this before. I said, we'll pray about this, Leo. This is way too difficult and too nasty for, to, to just carry this as it is. And, and I told him that's what... That, and I said, you know that's how Lee and I do business. And so that's how we'll be taking this issue that you've got and uh, praying over that for you. See, that is that second part of the, the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, you know. And we're believing God to demonstrate his kingdom to this guy. John 17. I don't have my little clicker thing, guys, with me. Can you knock it over to the next slide? Thank you. John 17, 20. This is uh, part of a, a long passage. It's the, the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the Bible is John 17. This is just before he, he meets the cross and uh, dies. There's a gathering of the disciples and he's kind of summarizing his whole ministry and praying over different issues. This is a really interesting one here because this is a prayer of Jesus. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. Who are those people? It's too cool. You are the, the fruit. And we are to emulate that same prayer. Whatever Jesus took and how he prayed about that, that is what we model. We model from him and we copy that. right? And so he wants us to be praying for those who will one day believe through your message or someone else's message. And having a heart for your community is part of knowing your heavenly father. And I would like us to take a hold of this as a, as, as, as a word for us in season to be praying for those who do not yet know Jesus. Because God wants to work in their life through the simplicity of some of the things we've been just hearing and talking about this morning. And God delights to answer these kinds of prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And it's the will of God that people would hear the good news of salvation. And when you echo that prayer and whenever you pray that, you know you are 100% praying in the will of God. You know, people ask, how do you pray in the will of God? Well, I've just given you at least one way to pray in the will of God, to pray like Jesus did for your community. 
And I, I want to just explore prayer a little bit this morning. Let's go to Ephesians 6, 18 to 20 to have a look here. Can you read that? It's small for me, but I guess it's bigger for you. Yeah? Okay, so the passage before this is the one we were looking at in the last couple of weeks when I was sharing with you. And if you back up, which we won't, this is too long a scripture, but it talks about principalities and powers and world forces or cosmic forces of evil, Paul describes it. And it says that having done everything, uh, we are to stand firm. And then he says the girdle of truth, like you know, girdling yourself up with truth and then putting on a shield over your heart and other things he talks about. And then when he's done with that little piece, so the cosmic powers of evil, then we are to stand firm, not stand against, but to stand firm. Read the scripture carefully, friends. Stand firm in who you are in Christ, in who he's made you to be, in the authority he's given you. Then immediately, the next verse, after the stand firm part, he goes right in and he mentions prayer five times. And so what he's saying is here, you want to activate all this authority God has given to you, and you want to stand firm against cosmic forces of evil, as Paul says, here's the solution. And so he says, pray passionately in the spirit. I like that as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. In other words, every circumstance, a contract that's gone funny, or this, pray over all of these things at all times. Take to your Father. Uh, pray the blessings of God upon all his saints. That's you. Good to pray for each other. That's a form of spiritual warfare, to pray for each other. And pray also that God's revelation, that's the gospel, would be released through me, Every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Now this is Paul asking for prayer for himself. And he goes on and amplifies it a bit more. Yes, pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with, with bold freedom at every opportunity. Even though I am chained as a prisoner, I am his ambassador. And so he goes from this cosmic forces of evil stuff, which is, seems kind of way out there, right? It, it seems sort of all, yeah, Paul, sure, we get this thing about principalities and powers and all this stuff. But then he takes it right down to the, to the reality of what we do and how we deal with that. And we deal with it, in, in this case, we pray, but we also share the good news. The sharing of the good news, talking like with my, uh, my manager at our estate, Leo, about the goodness of the kingdom in the face of a really nasty situation he's got. You know what? That's spiritual warfare on his behalf. You see, I'm interceding, but God would work in his circumstance because way over his head, you see. And friends, that's how God wants us to, to deal with the world we encounter. Spiritual warfare is not walking around a city seven times and shouting that the devil will leave. I've been down that street decades ago and, you know, nothing changes. Quick story. In India one time in 92, I think it was, I just forget. There was a great fad about prayer walking. I don't know if you remember this. There were wheelbarrow loads of books written on you know, the power of prayer walking. Now, I believe in the power of prayer and I believe in walking. And it is helpful to connect the two. But, but prayer walking does not give you any more spiritual authority. Are you following? Your spiritual authority is found in a thing called the cross of Jesus Christ. Death and resurrection. Not in how many times you walk around the city. Now, that was so 
so popular as a fad back then, and people were declaring this is the, the last breakthrough in world missions, that if you just get your, get your spiritual warfare strategy right, listen carefully, if you just get it right, you'll get the breakthrough. Now, it sounds good, and there's some truth to this, that you do need to have a strategy in prayer. It's, it's very important to know how to pray for communities, okay? Let's put our thinking cap on here in how to pray. But the fact that you might walk seven times around a city and then have a shout of prayer at the end does not grant you any more authority over a demon. They'll just laugh and look at you. Right. We did that. Uh, we we um, went to what's called the cardinal points of a certain city in central India. We started a lot of ministries over there in, in the 80s, in the 90s, sorry, from about 90 onwards. One, of, one was a place where the Lord spoke to me audibly about a city one time. I was in Bombay lying on a piece of cement praying and audibly I heard the, war, the word Nagpur, the name of the city, just came bang straight into my head. Shared it with my leaders and we ended up pioneering a ministry there in that part of central India. Suffice it to say, we were all ambitious to put into practice all these new fangled dang prayer strategies that will cause the devil to leave the city. And so we, we went to the four points of the city. We got the maps, the northeast, southwest point. Every city's got a northeast, southwest point. If there's a town planner here today, they know exactly what I'm talking about. They're called cardinal points. Byron Bay is the cardinal point of the most, the most eastern point of Australia. When you go to the top of Cape York in Queensland, there's literally a stainless steel pole driven into the ground and it says on that, that stainless steel sign, the most extreme northerly point of the continent of Australia. I've been there to see it. Anyway, so we did this with the city of Nagpur, thinking we're going to just kick the devil in the head and, and of course you'll have revival, right? That was, that was the thesis, that was the proposition. And, and so we did it. And one of the points happened to be in the middle of a road, dead on the northern point of the city with the map. There it was. And you, you try standing in the middle of a, a, of a busy road in India for more than three seconds and not getting run over. But we managed to do it. And we would duck onto the road, pray a bit and duck off again. Uh, and we did that for about an hour, praying over uh, from the northern point. So we did it from northeast, southwest, from sunrise to sundown. It was actually a very powerful time of intercession, but we are believing that we're going to kick the devil out of the city. You see this? Because we had a really, really cool prayer strategy to deal with the devil. But we lifted up our voices for the lost, and God wants you to pray. That's the will of God, right? Praying that his kingdom may come for the lost. And we did that for hours that day. It was a mighty time. Next day, the bizarrest things friend, uh, happened, friend. A, uh, a woman jumped on us, shouting the name of the principal demon of the area. And if you go to that city in Nagpur, the, the temple of Ram is big. Ram is everywhere over there. And that's the common deity of everybody in that city. And there's small Ram idols. And this woman goes utterly ballistic at us and jumps on us with a knife, shouting the, the, shouting the name of the demon of the city. Friends, is that not an odd, odd circumstance? Let sleeping dogs lie. You ever heard? I grew up in the bush. You do not kick a dog if it's asleep. It'll rip your leg off, particularly a cattle dog, right? And you know, uh, the way you deal with the devil is through humility. When there's a tone of arrogance about your strategy, you know what? The devil's going to jump all over you. 
humility. Now, we learned a lot that day that dealing with the devil doesn't come from a cool press strategy. Now, did we get a breakthrough? We didn't see a breakthrough in that city for quite a few years later, but we saw a spectacular breakthrough of the good news. Many, many hundreds, and it blew out into thousands of people saved, lots of churches planted, and deliverance, signs, wonders, and miracles. But it did not come through our cool strategy of how to kick the devil out of the place. It came through the sharing of the gospel with someone's maid. One of my colleagues had a, a house servant, which most people do you've got to employ the locals if you're not you know why aren't you so they employed this young girl she she came to Jesus I remember her clearly so wonderfully born again she told you know sharing with her husband Hindu guy who was a bit of an alcoholic he went completely ballistic at her because you know she was abandoning the Hindu idols which is serious stuff and uh uh, he, he came around to my colleague's house. I might have told you this story. He came around to my colleague's house one day to, to give him one, two, three, you see, because uh, my colleague's wife led the girl to the Lord. And so he comes around to the house to burst in and give him a one, two, three and run out. And he comes to the door and they open the door and he, friends, he froze solid. He could not, he went, oh, and his jaw was frozen locked solid. Power of God came on him this dude and he could not carry out his evil plan you see spiritual warfare he got saved I remember him very well went to his house little little place you know and that was the first fellowship then others came to the Lord and before we knew it we had nine full-time people appointed as pastors it absolutely exploded with people getting saved all over the place but it did not come through our cool prayer strategy trying to navigate the city and kick the devil out so that it, it doesn't work that way you see that's not how you see spiritual awakening spiritual awakening comes simply from the humility of echoing the lord's prayer you want to see spiritual awakening friends take that heavenly father bit and take that thy kingdom come among those that don't know you lord and you know we're going to see a greater spiritual awakening this is how god works paul urgently calls for prayer that the gospel might get out and you know that is the most powerful form of spiritual warfare in the community is getting good news of the kingdom out it's about you praying with your neighbor it's about me praying for my manager thy kingdom come in his world that is how the kingdom gets out friends and if we start doing that on mass right we see greater spiritual awakening in our circumstances next slide up here is from colossians Again, this is a very similar ending to the Ephesians uh, chapter. And Paul echoes it. He says this as he concludes, Be faithful to pray as intercessors who are fully alert and giving thanks to God. I like that bit. In other words, be alert in prayer. I know sometimes you, you doze off. I remember one time I was praying and I woke up about an hour later. <laughs> I'd gone asleep, right? Sometimes you, you know, you're just overcome by tiredness. But... Be alert, you know, keep on top of it, even if it's a short time. Better pray for five minutes than sort of a foggy hour, right? Okay, and it says there, and please pray for me, Paul says. Hey, this dude's really anointed. What's he doing asking for prayer? Yeah, he met the Lord Jesus personally on the road, and yet he's asking for prayer? Who does he think he is? Friends, if he needs prayer to get the gospel out, don't you need it? How much more do you need prayer to get the gospel out? And so as we pray for each other, 
like this, in the simplicity of everyday things like I've been mentioning, we pray for you, we pray for this one. Lord, give them opportunity to get out something about our Heavenly Father, about the kingdom of God. You know what? God delights to inhabit that. That is how spiritual awakening occurs. As we start to intercede for each other, start to pray for our community, you will see a difference. Put God's word to the test on this. You might not see the breakthrough right now, but you just might happen to be like that little maid lady that got saved some years. But we'd learned our lesson. Don't kick the devil in the head thinking you're going to get him out of town. Right? You bring the kingdom of God in. And you know what shifts? Darkness moves out. Then strongholds are broken. See, that maid and her husband, right? The stronghold of, of idol worship was broken over them and it was pulled down. We didn't pull the idol down. We didn't bring the, pull the stronghold down first. Right? You pull the stronghold down by what the kingdom does. You get this order correct. Really, really important here uh, that you, you see God's order for spiritual breakthrough. And so Paul says here, please pray for me that God will open a door of opportunity because sometimes we can't see them. Our eyes are shut. But there's opportunities by the thousands out there. And may you be able to see it. Uh, for us to preach the revelation of the mystery of Christ uh, for whom I am imprisoned and pray that I would unfold the, uh, and reveal fully his mystery for that is my uh, delightful assignment, says Paul. And so as we just wrap up today, I want to I give you a, a vision for prayer. You know, I, I, I would wish that we, we could have so many church plants happening right now. I know that sounds crazy. I heard one guy say, well, you can't plant a church till you're about 700 people in your, in your assembly and you've got at least $100,000 in your bank account. Then you can start churches. Deadly serious. It was a, a, a guy I was listening to, a Baptist, a Baptist guy, and I happened to be in this state. <laughs> you're not serious, sir, are you? <laughs> Friends, you can, you, can, you can start planting churches when you've got seven people in your church and a dollar in your bank account. You know? You can. But, Lord, may it be also 700 and 100 grand too. This, you know, get your order right here. And, and, and be zealous, friends, to see God do new things among us. You know, I got a text from a pastor the other day, actually, that said this. I hope the next 20 years are different to the last previous 20 years. He says, I'm not going to go down that road again. There's people who are hungry for change, you know, and that change comes through you. And God wants to answer us, particularly as we start lifting up our voice here, thy kingdom come into the community. Back to the prayer walking deal. Prayer and walking are good. Why is prayer walking a good thing? It's good because it gets you out and you can notice your community. I saw praying with someone this morning in the last service who said, well, actually, yeah, we, we walk around our streets and pray. And, and uh, they said, we see things. We, we meet people. And it's really important to do this. Uh, but your prayer working gives you no more spiritual authority. It is an occasion for you to meet people and, and to get a heart for your community as well. Uh, I've, I've done much prayer walking. I love to pray and I love to walk. Uh, and I, I see spot all kinds of things. 
when you pray and you walk. So let's be people like that, getting out there, and may God grant us uh, an answer to our prayers. Let's finish up right now. Let's not leave this auditorium until at least we have agreed about some place or someone uh, together in your groups. You can turn around and pray with, with somebody if we can do that. Can you please nominate a place? It might be a street. could be a suburb, right? could be some circumstance, right? And at least pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Give us opportunities. Now, in asking that prayer of give us opportunities, you know what? Someone else who's not from this church may fulfill that opportunity. Don't worry about that. Perfectly fine if that occurs. But it all, you know, it'd be great too if God answers prayers through us as well. Because he's got his saints dotted all over, all over the place. Quick story. A man was had a... a um, Oh, what happened to him, I forget. Something serious happened to him. And he had to use a walker, right, in his street. And he went walking. He's a believer guy. And so uh, because he had this accident, because he had his walker, people took notice of him creeping along. And they came alongside of him. People from the community started to come out and say, oh, can we just walk with you as he's creeping along like this? He was sharing the gospel full on with them through the fact that he, had, he then had a walker where previously he didn't. Dog evangelism. All right, but you don't want a walker, you want a dog. Okay, all right, let's pray. So uh, break into groups. I'm done. Uh, let's look to the Lord together and, and take a hold of this really seriously with you. Take a place, a location. We've already got a church plant happening in New Farm, for instance, up there. We need to see God work through you in opening up new households for the gospel. You believe that? All right, let's pray. And uh, then we'll, we're finished up right now. We'll just keep praying, but we will have ministry at the end if you want prayer for anything also. We'll be here.